Welcome to the Wonderful Leaders Podcast, a place for Christian entrepreneurs and leaders to be encouraged and inspired to grow in your personal and organizational leadership. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello everyone, Dan Mordup here and welcome to another episode of the Wonderful Leaders Podcast. I have got with me today, Sean Quintero, known as Sean Q., who is from the US of A, and Sean Q is a high-ticket sales coach, but also he's got a whole lot of things going on as well, a whole lot more going on. So I'm really, really excited to hear from Sean Q today. Um, we're going we're gonna to hear about sort of lessons in leadership, lessons in life, what he does through, um, through, his, through his business and organizations. We're going to hear some more about some of the, his church involvement as well. So without any further ado, I'd like to welcome you to Sean Q. Welcome, Sean Q. How are you doing? Dan, how are you, my man? I'm so excited to be uh, speaking to you across the ocean, uh, all the way from the U.S., specifically in Colorado. And uh, I, I think I'm your first U.S. podcast guest, right? Absolutely. So I got to have my most American accent ever. <laughs> <laughs> be as American as you can be. We're, 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 we're into the accent. We love it over here. So that's brilliant. I love it. So Sean Cube, tell me a little bit about yourself and what your leadership life looks like. Yeah. So um, a little bit about me. I started working in church. That's kind of what I built my career around was I wanted to be a pastor. And I knew from the age of like eight years old, when I was in my room, preaching to my stuffed animals and my toy soldiers, uh, that I knew, like, I want to be in a position of leadership. I want to be able to be a person who can impact people's lives. And I don't really know where that desire came from because my childhood was filled with a lot of darkness. Um, My father was incredibly abusive to both me and my sister and my family. My parents got divorced when I was eight. And I ended up going down a really incredibly depressing spiral of darkness where I ended up wanting to just give up and just end my life. I mean, I still have the scars on my wrist to prove how little value I gave my life. And it wasn't until I met a Christ who said, enough blood has been shed. I love you. I want to work with you. And if you end your life, then I can't do anything about it. I need you to accept the love I have for you, recognize the hope I have for you, and recognize that I have purpose, not just pain. I have purpose for you. And it was at a youth retreat, actually. We went up into the mountains um, of California back then uh, when I lived in California. And we, I mean, I had an encounter with God that I cannot explain from any perspective other than it was God spoke to me in that moment exactly what I needed and reminded me that the pain I had felt had purpose, but also that there were other people living in darkness that needed a light and needed a hope. Um, And that my job was to go out and to preach the good news to them, whether that's in a church building or whether that's in a, a marketplace or whether that's in my business. And so I made a decision when I was very young, I'm going to be a part of the solution. There are so many people struggling and I want to be a part of the hope that they are able to see and be able to continue living their life. Um, I want to introduce them to a Jesus that changed my life. And it gave me the ability to really just be real about where I'm at and say, okay, God, you want to use me. You got to know what you're getting into because I'm a mess. (laughs) I'm broken inside and out. And I have all these bad habits. I just have all these negative beliefs. 
And he said, hey, guess what? I want to use you still. I want to partner with you. Um, and it began a process of me really being able to clean out my heart, working on my own discipleship, my own salvation, and becoming the person that God could use when he said, hey, go out, go forth, go do this. Um, and so I'm a millennial as well. So I'm, I'm a young person. Um, I'm a millennial. And specifically within leadership circles, a lot of times millennials get bashed on a lot. Um, it's, you know, the younger generation has no idea what they're doing. They're entitled. They're lazy. They're, you know, there's so many things that label us. And what I've chosen to do is be a representative of what leadership can look like and how leadership can change and pivot so that it is multi-generational because i believe as millennials and as there's a new generation coming up um as 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 the young generation the younger generation we have an opportunity to empower the older generation through technology and through some of the things we've been grown up with but we also have an opportunity to be mentored and to be taught by older generations who have all this vast wisdom and experience and so it's been really cool being that bridge of, hey, young person, you have all this energy and passion. Let's get you some mentorship. Old person, older person, let's get you connected with the younger person so that you can use all the wisdom you've collected and, and impart it to the next generation. So leadership, it's been kind of across the board, specifically in business and church, intergenerationally. Um, and I'd even say multiculturally because a lot of our clients come from the UK, come from Canada, come from Mexico, come from Asia and Mongolia, and we have such an international uh, clientele. So it's been really cool to have, to watch God use somebody as broken as I am, uh, be a leader in that regards. That's amazing. Wow, what a story. Thank you, Sean Q. That's amazing. Now, I know that a lot of your um, coaching and leadership life is lived out through the Legacy Tribe. So yes. tell me a little bit more about that. How does that work? How does that look? And what do you do? Yeah, so the Legacy Tribe is a company that we started um, specifically because I wanted to gather a group of people who are focused less on the, the today and more, more focused on how can we build legacy that outlasts us? How can I build a business that doesn't just impact my kids or my family, but my kids' kids and my great grandkids? And that came from a desire for me to go back and look at my own ancestry to look at the the brokenness of my father and the brokenness of my grandfather and the brokenness of my great-grandfather and to watch these intergenerational curses be you know expressed in their lives such as divorce um, in my family four generations past every single one has been divorced multiple times um, in the past multiple people have been addicted to drugs been addicted to um you know, pornography have been um, sent to prison who have been murdered or have been murderers. So I come from a long line of very, really, really broken people. And it was my turn to say, okay, I'm drawing a line in the sand and all of that stops here. My kids will never have to struggle with the things I struggled with. And my grandkids will never have to struggle with that. My great, great, great grandkids. And so I love working with people who have that generational perspective and that kind of eternal perspective of, how can we stop the line of the things that have come from the past? How can we stand on the shoulders of the greatness of the past? Because I have some really incredible people who've come in my line of ancestry and my, you know, their legacy is who I am, at, you know, standing today. And so how can we stand on the shoulder of giants? How can we break the chains of the bondage that has held people from back? And how can we set up our great, great, great grandkids, the people we will never meet this side of life, but set them up for success? 
um, specifically in business and specifically through, uh, you know, making sure that we have uh, intergenerational wealth. And so our biggest goal and desire is to help people create businesses that outlast them. Uh, doesn't just pay the bills, but, but impacts their great, great, great grandkids. Fantastic. And I can, you know, there's so much uh, passion and so much insight and I can do, it just oozes out of you. But can you, can you summarize, summarize is going to be the wrong word, but can you just share with us some of your, your passions and some of the ways in which you love to live out, particularly in the coaching and the leadership side of what you do? You know, this is, a, this is a, you know, it's amazing to hear how you, you, your leadership life impacts every area of your life. But in terms of what you do as a, as a day job, so to speak, yeah. what are some of your passions? What, are some of your, what, what comes out of you? Yeah, so um, I'll talk a little bit about kind of day to day. So I run a company called the Legacy Tribe. We teach people how to land high paying clients, how to build a business specifically geared towards high ticket sales. Um, and so if you're a coach, you're a consultant, you're a service provider, and you know you should be getting paid a lot more because your service is extraordinary, then we help you get to that level. Um, and I have a full-time staff. So I have four people who are full-time with my company. I have several contractors as well. And one of the things that I am very, very focused on day to day is not so much being in the weeds anymore, but I get the honor of being able to be very focused on, okay, what are the values that our company is, is expressing every day? Is our, are the brand promises that we're making to our clients and to our customers being um, implemented in every interaction that we have? And not just to our clients, but to my staff as well. Am I living a life that is demonstrating the values I, I, I believe I have and giving them an example of what it's like to treat someone really well? Um, I believe it was from the Ritz-Carlton. They treat their customers um, really well because they treat their staff really well. Um, and this is an incredible hotel, high-end hotel with beautiful locations all across the world. And uh, what they do for the first two weeks of somebody being hired onto their staff is that staff member actually gets an extraordinary experience. They stay at the hotel, they get, you know, dined and they get, you know, they get, um, uh, taken care of really well because they want to give them an experience that right. they'll never forget. And they want to be able to give them an example of this is what we want our clients to feel as well. So I'm really focused on helping my, my staff feel incredible, have those extraordinary experiences and, and really focus on building those personal relationships with every single one of them. Um, leadership is relationship. That's all it is. It's relationship and it's uh, expressed through conversations. And so uh, oftentimes a lot of my conversations will look like a coaching session. It'll, Hey, how's your day going? Where are you procrastinating and, and what's stopping you from taking action today? Um, what's in your heart today that wasn't in your heart yesterday or, you know, what's new, what's bubbling that maybe you're not expressing in your work right now. And maybe we can design a job role that fits that passion. Um, I think it's incredibly important to have the right people in the right seats on the bus. And so it's making sure, Hey, are you in the right seat? And sometimes the right seat is seasonal. Sometimes the person who's in the seat today is not the person who should be in the seat six months from now. Um, and that person should be in a different seat, or maybe they should even be completely off the bus because their season is over. And there's nothing wrong with that. They just need to get on another bus that's going in the direction of their heart. And so it's my job to make sure that we are consistently analyzing and assessing, do we have the right people in the right seats? 
are the people enjoying the experience of working for me? Because I don't want to be a bad boss. I've had my share of bad bosses. And I want to be a good boss that people can look up to and be inspired by. And then um, are our clients feeling the extraordinary service that I'm giving my customer or, or my staff as well? I think you're going to get a, a few CVs sent your way after this. <laughs> I think you're going to have a, love few, a few people from across this side of the pond. No, that's fantastic. It's really, really great to hear. It's great to see and hear how those values are being lived out every day. It's very easy in business to stick some values in your brand manual and your brand book and it, you stick the sign on the wall and everyone cheers about it. But actually, it's something that's got to be lived out every day. Authentic values are lived out and demonstrated by behaviors every day. So I love what you say. And, and we actually assess our values every six months. So we say, here are our values. And did we live up to them? If right. not, then do we have to change the behavior or do we have to change the value? Um, and we're totally open to changing the value if our behavior doesn't match it because it, it's not a culture fit or it's a matter of saying, hey, Sean, you just totally missed it. And I give my staff permission, call me out, please. If I'm not living up to the promises and the commitments I'm making to you, I need to change then. Um, I believe you know the buck stops with me. And so I need to take responsibility of how I'm treating my clients and my customers, but also my staff um, and making sure that our values align with our behaviors. Fantastic. Brilliant to hear. Just uh, changing angles slightly. Obviously, you know, you're, you're on the, the big side of the pond. We're on the little side of the pond. We've, both of our countries have been, uh, have been hit quite dramatically with, with the COVID-19. And obviously we're in a global pandemic and, and that's having economic challenges as well as obviously health, health challenges and, and physical ones. What are some of the, what, what, what's the feeling on the ground in terms of, do you see, how do you see that in terms of both opportunity and challenges? Yeah. So I actually don't see those two things as separate. I think every single challenge is an opportunity, um, whether that's an opportunity to pivot, opportunity to change, or an opportunity to find a way to make it work. And so when this pandemic happened, the first thing I did was I had, um, it was around March, maybe February, March, when everything was kind of going crazy. Um, and in the United States, uh, the pandemic was, an, it, it was expressed through our people um, through mass purchases of toilet paper <laughs> and i don't know if that was the case in the uk but i know everyone was going out for toilet paper so i remember the season so clearly because everyone was walking out with these big bundles of toilet paper for a pandemic that i don't think has anything to do with that <laughs> but nonetheless what i ended up doing was i i called a staff meeting and i said hey i don't think things are going to get better quickly i think things are going to get worse before they get better so let me share with you where we're at as a company. I shared, and I was incredibly transparent because I believe in moments of crisis, um, leaders are born, but only through transparency. And so I had to be completely honest with them so they could make decisions for themselves. And I said, hey, this is where we're at. We have seven months in, um, you know, seven months of savings in the bank. So if we don't make a dollar today and for the rest of the seven months, we're taking, your, your jobs are okay. We're okay. Um, Every single month I would update them. Hey, here's how our finances have been, have been um, impacted. This is where we're at. Um, but I would, so I would be completely transparent with them. I would also let them know we're coming up with a plan. I'd love to include you in the strategy sessions if you want to have a voice. Everybody can have a voice in how we're directing the company. Um, and we 
made it, I made it very clear from the get-go, I'm here to help you make the best decision for you, not just for the company. Because some people maybe needed to make a decision of, okay, this isn't as secure as I'd like. Maybe they'll go find some other work. Um, and I needed them to know so that they weren't hit in the head, you know, when I give them, hey, sorry, here's like, I can't pay you this month. And so I wanted to make it very clear so they can make the best decision for them. But I also wanted to make it very clear that I believe that um, the, the, the pandemic, COVID, all this craziness was, was either one of three things. Number one, that it was a blizzard. It was going to hit really hard, but be very fast and be done. Number two, it was a winter season where it was just going to be kind of a long, ongoing experience, but it was only seasonal. It was going to be done. Or it was an ice age. And this is like, this is changing the game. Like hardly anyone survives an ice age. And like this, we have to change or else we die. And I don't believe we were at an ice age. I don't believe it was a blizzard. I believe it was a winter season. Um, and it was that winter season that we, you know, that perspective knowing like, okay, March, everyone's talking about when things get back to, to normal in April. And we were like, when things get back to normal in 2021, um, and so we were already planning ahead. Uh, right. And I let my team know, look, crisis is opportunity. Every leader um, that has, you know, been known for greatness has been created in times of crisis, in times of great challenge. Right. And so this is a great opportunity for you to show up in the company like you've never before, to show up with your families like never before, to show up in your communities like never before. And I believe that that's who you are and that's what's going to happen. Um, and so it was my job to call out the champion in them um, and to call out the leader in them and not just foreshadow this crisis, but really put it into perspective of what's possible during this crisis. Wow. There's a, there's a great example of leadership right there. And, 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 do you, and do you feel like as you've journeyed this over the months, the team have stayed engaged and stayed on board and you guys are looking forward? Yeah. So I will say that the, uh, uh, the productivity, the effectiveness has been astronomical with the team, number one. And then number two, I would say that um, this was a great time for us to, to take a step back and to say, okay, what's not working? Um, and how can we automate? How can we take things online that aren't online? How can we create better experiences? Um, and we've actually become leaner because of this crisis, which is helped us move more quickly and really shed some existing costs that we didn't realize, Oh, we don't, we don't actually have to do, we don't have to do that. Right. Um, like we can have the same impact in a very simple way. So it's been really great to simplify our business so we can really focus in on what's important. Fantastic. Brilliant. And just before we started the recording, you were telling me about something else quite major you've been up to during a, during a pandemic, which is a, a phenomenal story. So do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. So last year, me and this uh, group of people, uh, about three or four families were deciding to start a church in Colorado Springs. And we had no idea COVID was going to happen. So we selected a date. We said, all right, that's when we're launching the church. And it was literally three weeks ago um, in the middle, like the very beginning of July, I believe it was July 11th. That we launched was the inaugural uh, service or the dedication service, the first service of the church, uh, literally in the middle of a pandemic when everybody is shutting down, when everything is stopping, when churches aren't meeting um, in person, they're meeting virtually. We decided we're going to launch this church. Um, God, do you want us to not do it? 
because we're willing to, to we want to follow your will for this. We all had peace about it. So we went through, we had about 150 people um, at the, the church launch, which was incredible. Don't worry, we had face masks. We, you know, social distance, we took care of our people um, and, and did it legally. Um, but what was incredible was to see God's move throughout this entire thing. Um, the building that we were able to acquire was, was incredible. We had, you know, we've, we had like $20,000 worth of sound equipment donated out of nowhere from someone I had never even heard of. Um, we had people sending in gift cards for children's ministry toys and for, you know, just for chairs. And so it was, it was an incredible show of God. Um, despite the, the darkness that's kind of swirling around the world, the pandemic and the chaos, that truth prevailed and that love, love prevailed and that the hope, of, the hope of the world prevailed, which I believe is the local church, Christ through the local church. And so it was really incredible to see people who are hungry for love and for hope and for something to remind them that, hey, like you're loved and you're going to get through this. And there's a church here that's going to take care of you and do what we can to be a part of the solution. Um, it was just an incredible show for the community and uh, for the leaders as well. What an incredible story, an incredible testimony, and a, a super a huge encouragement. You know, particularly as you said, everything seems to be closing, disintegrating, going online, and yet you know God has used you to be a real anchor and a real beacon of light in that community. So that's absolutely brilliant. So I just want to ask you a couple more questions, just more around yourself and your personal leadership. And you've you've obviously God's using you in so many amazing ways, and you've got a lot to bring. And you've got, a lot, you've got a lot of journey ahead of you. But in, what are some of the lessons you've learned along the way? What are some of those big leadership lessons that you, you say, do you know what? I know that that's a lesson right there. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll share a story. My grandfather uh, really took me under his wing when my parents were going through the divorce. And he really loved on me and like hung out with me when I was going through a lot of depression. And one of the things he would consistently tell me, I remember sitting at his table in the kitchen, him drinking a cup of coffee, me coloring or doing some activity. And he would just say, Sean, you're a leader. You're not a follower. You're a leader. And he would repeat that over and over and over. And I grasped that. I said, okay, my grandfather said I'm a leader. So I'm a leader. So throughout high school, throughout middle school, I took up leadership roles. I was president of every club. I was like, I was, I was, um, uh, class president. I mean, I was, I was doing everything to fulfill that leadership role. So I thought, hey, I'm a great leader. So I had an opportunity in that first job that I had to be the youngest manager in the company's history. And it was then that I discovered, I'm not a good leader. <laughs> I'm actually really bad at this. I don't know how to lead people well. Um, I, I was incredibly chaotic. I was incredibly, um, uh, I, was, I was a jerk at times. I mean, I, I, was, I was a mess. And it was at the moment of my demotion when they said, Sean, I don't think you can handle this, that I realized, wow, leadership isn't guaranteed simply because you call yourself a leader. There are specific traits that you need to develop in order to be the leader. Um, a title isn't a leader. Action is leadership. Um, influence is leadership. How, what, I was really good at my job at that company, so they promoted me. When, and when I believe that's some of the biggest mistakes that corporate makes and that companies make is they they promote people who are really good at their job to help other people be really good at their jobs um, when maybe that's not their their skill set and so I discovered okay it's not a matter of how good I am at the job it's a matter of how 
how much I can empower those who I've been entrusted with to be amazing at their job, right. how I can unlock their doors and empower them to really step up and fulfill at their roles. And so it was at that moment that I discovered, wow, I really need to develop my skill of leadership. And that's when I really began to read like John Maxwell. I listened to every podcast. I watched every you know video I could. And I really began to connect with mentors that I looked up to in person um, in that company. And I would have lunch with them and I would say, hey, I, I want to develop this. I, I want I want to come back to this. I want to, you know, I, I'm not willing to give up on this um, opportunity to be a leader in the world. And so please help me, train me, show me where I'm missing it. Um, and it really came down to interpersonal skills um, and how I connected with people. And then also how I was able to coach people through their own challenges so that they can, you know, one of the most inspiring things is to watch someone do something they thought they couldn't. And so it's how can I inspire someone and empower them to do just that. Um, and so leadership doesn't come just because you've been given a job title. Leadership comes from how much you can empower other people, whether you have the title or not. Uh, that's fantastic. Great stuff. Now, obviously, you've mentioned a couple of people there, but what leaders do you look up to or have you learned from along the way? Yeah, so um, I, I'm a very big reader. So literally, I mean, I have like my favorite books here, but I have like bookcases on bookcases of bookcases of books that I've read. And I just I love reading. And so I, um, I would say that what's what's really incredible is just watching people in reading their biographies, those have been really inspiring to me. People um, like, you know, Abraham Lincoln, um, people uh, specifically, you know, American presidents that I've looked up to, um, American CEOs, Rockefeller, um, uh, I mentioned John Maxwell. Um, there's a, a gentleman named Vern Harnish who is uh, the CEO of a company called Gazelles, um, which is a scaling up company. Um, uh, and then there's a lot of really great coaches that have done some really great work. Um, and so uh, it, it's been really incredible just to seek that out. Um, I will say the most impact I've had from my mentors are the people I've met in person, though, the people who've been able to mentor me. So my pastors, um, the people I've given permission to say, hey, please call me out. If you see something that I'm doing that's not in alignment with the goals and the vision and the calling on my life, you have complete permission to say, Sean, you're messing up. Let's get this correct. Um, and so it's the people that I've given that permission to that I've seen the most impact. Um, and so the books are great. Reading and following these incredible leaders are great. But it's those people who can call you out on your crap, if I can say. Those are the people who are going to be the most impactful to your life. And if you don't got those people and you're listening to this, go give someone permission. Um, let them know what your values are, what your goals are, what your dreams are, what you want to do. And then let them keep you accountable to that. Um, I believe there's a study that was done that said you have a 300% increase chance of doing what you say you're going to do simply if you have an accountability partner. That's it. Wow. Just having someone who keeps you accountable. So you're increasing your chances of success by 300% by giving someone permission to say, hey, are you, are you doing what you said you were going to do? Are you living the life you want to live um, that you, you committed to living? Um, I believe everybody, every single person needs a coach, needs a mentor, needs someone who's going to measure their progress against their potential. And who's going to say, hey, this is what you've been doing, but I know this is what you're, what you're capable of. So I'm going to celebrate this while also reminding you of this. That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And just um, 
final question coming into land here. Now you're still, you're still a young man. And you know, as I said, mentioned earlier on, you've got so much that the Lord is going to use you for and bless you with. And, and you're going to, you know, as you said, you're going to create that legacy for so many people. But if you were to look, that. if you were to look back at your even younger self and say, Sean Q, younger man, what was one piece of leadership advice you would give your, your younger self? Um, be okay with being wrong. Uh, be, you know, be, you don't have to have all the answers. That's why you have a team because they have the answers. Um, you don't have to be the person who has the strategy and has the insight. Go ask for help. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to not know. Um, I can tell you my favorite words now are, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know, but let's figure it out together. Um, and that just creates so much more freedom in your staff meetings. Uh, because not everyone's just looking for you for an answer then. It's really empowering them to, hey, let's think through this. Let's really find what the best solution is, not just what Sean's solution is. Wow, there we go. I'm hoping I can live this up with my staff now <laughs> that are listening to this podcast. Sean Q, that has been absolutely brilliant. So fantastic. There's, uh, there's a lifetime of wisdom and nuggets of not just not just learn you no know, learn from a book experience but lived out experience and yeah really trust that the lord will bless you with with everything you do in the business everything you're doing in the ministry with your family with coming out of this period may you have greater impact and and an even more a stronger sense of purpose and calling so thanks, thanks. sean q thanks yeah. sean q for your time it's been great to spend this time with you we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the wonderful leaders podcast to be part of the community, join our close Facebook group and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Simply look us up at Wonderful Leaders and we'll see you there.